Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The 342nd edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. This is the Four Corners Podcast. I'm the luckiest guy in the world, I've said that. To be in Chapel Hill, to be at the University of North Carolina. We win! 54 to 53, North Carolina did it! North Carolina wins the championship! With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! You are way to Worthy! Worthy five! The Tar Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout. They're out foul. of timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul on Michigan. They're out of timeout. Front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. I've been the luckiest coach in the world. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national daggum champion. Carolina has been tested and tried and been proven successful through all the years. And the way that we will play will be the Carolina way. My love for North Carolina, I mean, I love this school, I love these fans, and I love everything about it, and I would I would die for this school, I really would. Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another live edition of the Four Corners Podcast, back on a Thursday night. Josh and Anthony hanging out with you in preparation for Saturday's massive game for the Heels. They'll be at Virginia in Charlottesville. Um, a house of horrors for Carolina over the last decade or so. That game will come your way 4 p.m. on the mothership over on ESPN, and we're here to preview that game. Um, If you're new to the live shows, what we do in previews is we tell you everything about the opponent, look at the game from the Carolina perspective, um, discuss something around the game, then, of course, give our keys to the game. But uh, we start every edition of the pod, as we always do, with the pod thought of the day. And um, I feel like over the the history of the pod, we have used this one. Uh, But I think it's a very adequate one, and it's one that I think really does apply to where Carolina is and where they've gotten to so far this season. Um, It's from the GOAT. Michael Jordan, and his thought is, quote, get the fundamentals down and the level of everything you do will rise. And, you know, something that we've uh, we've talked a lot about over the years is Carolina not doing the little things, whether it was a bounce pass or a box out or whatever it was, something that you've heard of Hall of Fame head coach like Rick Pitino go on a massive rant about his team on Sunday night when his St. John's team blew a lead against Seton Hall. But Carolina's, you know, erased all that. They've become a much better passing team. They've gotten better at doing the little things that, as we all know in sports, um, are really the big things. Um, And it's a big reason why Carolina is where it is, which is, you know, the top team in the ACC, a team that's on the uh, projected two line for the NCAA tournament and a team that very much can and will uh, can and will compete for a national championship next month in the NCAA tournament. And so um, I think you've got to credit this coaching staff for getting back to the basics, really force, you know, forcing that on the guys and making them buy in to make sure you do the little things because those little things really show up in a big way when you get into the type of games that you're going to be playing like this Saturday when Carolina goes to Virginia. And with Virginia losing, you know, on Monday, first place isn't necessarily – it's not on the line anymore. Carolina is a game and a half in front of Virginia, but still a massive game for Carolina. Like, if they win this game, it sees – it's easier to see the heels – 
winning an ACC regular season championship. Right now, they're like at 62% according to um, – I forget what metric it was that projected the the rest of the ACC season where Duke is 63%. Um, that being that Carolina has to go to Duke, but they both got to play Virginia um, before the season comes to an end. And so um, if Carolina can find a way to get a win on Saturday – um, I think we'll come out of that game a lot more confident that um, this team can win an ACC regular season title, something they haven't done since 2019 when they shared it with Virginia and something they haven't done outright since 2017, of course, when Carolina would go on to win the national championship. As for the as for Virginia, um, you know, a week and a half ago, this game was shaping up to be like an all-timer and one of those games that was really – going to be a challenge for Carolina to win. That's still the case because of how good Tony Bennett coaches against the Heels, but the, the, the Wahoos are 20-7 and seven on the year, 11-5 and five in the ACC, but they've lost two of three after an eight-game winning streak that really uh, put them in the conversation to compete for an ACC regular season title and put them back on the NCAA tournament map, uh, but they've only got two players that average double-figure scoring led by Reese Beekman, is 13.9 points per game, 3.2 rebounds, 5.8 assists. He shoots 45% from the field, 31% from three. Isaac McNeely is the only other guy in double figures, 12.4 points, 3.1 rebounds, 1.7 assists. He shoots 43% from the field, 46% from three. They shoot 37% from the uh, from behind the arc as a group. They average just 64.1 points per game, which is 352nd in the country out of 362 teams. But they only allow 58.6 points per game, which is the third fewest in the country. They're coming off, though, of a pretty big loss on Monday night, buddy, where um, I think for a lot of Carolina fans, you rejoiced in the fact that Maybe first place wasn't on the line in this game because you only see Virginia once, but we know how good of a coach Tony Bennett is. We know the kind of pride that that program has. They'll look to bounce back in a big way when the Heels visit John Paul Jones Arena on Saturday afternoon. Well, I mean, hey, they're coming off of arguably the worst loss in the history of his time at Virginia. I mean, we, that is about as bad as it gets. And so – um, I, I think, you know, you kind of wonder where is the mindset for that team? I mean, in their minds, they, they probably still believe uh, that they're a team that has a ton of goals in front of them. Um, but at the same time, I mean, you know, they are not playing their best basketball. This is a team that, honestly, you should probably feel like is much more gettable after what you've seen from them recently. And I'm talking about not only the way that they, they play it against – uh, you know, Virginia Tech. But that game against Wake was was far from their best performance offensively. Um, the thing is, is that, let's be honest, they th- this is not any different from what we've seen from them for the last few years. They, they've never been a great offensive team uh, really since the national championship run. They have really struggled. The guys have just not been – as good as we've seen in years past um, of scoring the basketball. And this year, you know, this was a roster that I looked at for them and I questioned them in the preseason because I wondered, did they go out and get guys that actually were going to improve their weaknesses? And, you know, for the middle portion of conference play, I think we started feeling like, yes, they did find those right pieces. But now it's starting to feel like they're back to kind of what, 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 what they've been. So... I think ultimately what it boils down to is this should be a game where Carolina defensively can put together a pretty solid performance. This is not a team that should be able to shoot lights out. They don't really have guys that can take advantage of, of some of your weaknesses, um, especially you know attacking some of your guards like we saw teams like Syracuse and Miami do. They don't have the creators that those teams had. So – this should be one of those confidence-boosting performances for you on the defensive end of the floor, but offensively, yeah, you got to be in for you got to be ready for a battle because this is a team that if you do some of the things that we've seen Carolina do at times here recently, turn the ball over a lot, have been an inefficient night from the field, then yeah, it could be a little bit tough for Carolina to come away with a victory in this game, but. Um, you know, this is this is a team that feels much more gettable here, you know, 
as opposed to when we sat here and would have broke this game down, as you said, a week and a half ago. Yeah, no, I think when you look at the fact that and look, Pittsburgh has played really well since the first half of the conference season, but you know Pittsburgh went in there and beat them. Wake Forest took them down for, to the wire, and those are two teams that Carolina has beaten. You feel pretty confident that Carolina can go in there and win. Um, and kind of well, my message has been, you know, leading up to the game is – if Carolina is the team that I think they are and most of us still believe they are, this is the type of game that you that you go and win. Um, you're 6-2 and two on the road, so you've been able to, uh, for the most part, escape, you know, losing uh, or getting beaten on on the road. Um, and so you got to find a way to do that. Once again, in this game, this is not a game where – it, to me, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how it looks. It's, it's if you score more than them, frankly, that's all that matters. Just because it's been so long since you've won there. Um, I mean, 2012 is a, a long time for a program like Carolina to be winless at, considering how frequently they go there. Um, and, and so, you know, there, there's going to be a motivation to uh, to end that streak, and also like. And I don't like having to bring this up. Virginia's still in the tournament, but if they lose this game, they lose to Duke, and then they get bounced in round one of the of the ACC tournament, they're not just going to be a team that's going to be secured come Selection Sunday. That's um, ludicrous when you look at the twenty and seven record and eleven and five in a power conference, but that's the state of the ACC right now. So they need a sort of this uh, a win over you to kind of you know stabilize themselves as they're getting ready for March. Um, so there's going to be a sense of urgency from their coaching staff, from their players, and then that crowd to put what happened on Monday night behind them and respond in a big way. Um, and, and so I think it's why, you know, in the moment when I was watching Virginia Tech just pummel Virginia, there was somewhat of an enjoyable aspect to it. But then it, on the flip side, it did make this game a little bit harder than it maybe would have because you knew that Virginia was, was going to want to respond after getting embarrassed the other night. You look at this game from Carolina's perspective, 20-6 and six on the year. 12 and 3 in the ACC. Um, of course, as we saw last week, they were the number two, they were the top two seed in the NCAA bracket preview. Um, and they'll look to maintain that positioning with a win on Saturday afternoon. I mentioned the Heels are 6 and 2 on the road, but they haven't won in Charlottesville since 2012. Um, that was back when Kendall Marshall, Harrison Barnes, John Henson and Tyler Zeller, uh, that crew was on campus, and they won that game. I think it was 54-52 ended up being the final score that afternoon. Carolina has four players that are averaging double-figure scoring, led by R.J. Davis and his 21.3 points per game, 3.6 rebounds, 3.6 assists. He's shooting 43% from the field, 41% from three. Armando Baycott averaging 14.6 points, 10.3 rebounds. He's shooting 56% from the field. Harrison Ingram, 12.5 points per game, 9.1 rebounds, 2.2 assists. He's shooting 44% from the field, 41% from three. And Cormac Ryan averaging 10.8 points, 3.0 rebounds, 1.4 assists. And after two really good shooting nights, he's shooting 37% from the field and 32% from three. And so you look at Carolina, and the one thing that you, you're automatically going to look at is their point-per-game average as compared to Virginia. It's always a battle of wills where Carolina, among the one of the, the more higher-scoring teams in the country, where Virginia is one of the more lower-scoring teams in the country. That's rightfully so. Um, because of the possessions, Virginia not a great rebounding team. Carolina ninth in rebounding at 41 point one rebounds per game. And then you look at uh, the free throws. You know, we talk about this stat a lot. Virginia only commits 13 fouls per game. That's the fewest in the country. Meanwhile, Carolina averages 18 free throws. That's the 11th most, and or they average making 18, and they average attempting 23.9. That's 19th most. And so as much as pace and tempo – 
um, will be a factor in this game. So will the whistle. And if Carolina is aggressive and they force the issue, you would like to think that you get fouls called. If you're not, then you can let them sit back and play their pack line defense. It's going to be hard for you to, to score against them. All this comes back to is even though it's been a week since Carolina last played, that formula that they used last week to blow out Virginia Tech and score 96 points needs to uh, show up in this game, put the ball inside, play inside out, try to get them in the foul trouble, limit the foul line. Because if you can score at the clock stop, uh, we know it's the most efficient way in basketball to score. And if Carolina can get to the foul line, it certainly increases their chances of winning this game. Well, they're, they're also – I mean, Virginia's not a good team inside. They, they can't defend inside, um, especially against big men. I mean, the other night, uh, Lynn Kidd went off against them. And Lynn Kidd couldn't even play against Carolina. Like, the yeah. guy was uh, – they didn't even want him playing. So, I mean, yeah, he, his numbers are pretty good statistically. But, I mean, Armando Baycott, if, if that guy can dominate their bigs, I mean, Armando Baycott should be running through those guys from the word go. I mean, we're talking about running through you like Taco Bell. Like, this should be no issue for Armando Baycott inside. Um, But they got to give them the ball. That's the biggest thing. And one of the things that Virginia is going to try to do is disrupt those passing lanes, create those turnovers, because that's how they're going to thrive. So, I mean, this is going to be – it's going to be important. You know, Elliot Cadeau is coming off a game where he turned the ball over five times. He's got to be smart when he's looking to go inside. But, yeah, I think the other thing is, is if you can get downhill and get to the basket with your guards as well, that's got to be part of the recipe because you're right. Getting to the foul line, getting some of those easy points, I know it's not necessarily been easy for certain guys on this team this year. But – you know, for the most part, I still think that's that's an area where Carolina has succeeded. I think that's got to be part of the plan as well because, yeah, the, the easier looks that you get and the less time you have to spend focusing on making those outside shots, it's going to allow you to, to put up the type of points that should allow you to win the game because I, I, I got to be honest – you know, Virginia, I, I I wouldn't be shocked if there's a little bit of a bounce back on the offensive end because, you know, this is a game that they're going to be clearly motivated in. You would imagine that it's going to be drilled into them that if they want to have any chance of winning the ACC regular season, they have to find a way to win this game, and they probably have to find a way to beat Duke. Um, so there, there should be a, a lot of energy from Virginia in this game, but – I think if you get to 70, you win this game. And the easiest way to get to 70 is put the ball inside, get to the foul line and score there, make it easy on yourself. And I think this team, as we've seen, when they've used that mindset going into games, they have been able to do that. It just feels like during that, you know, that streak where they were two and three in five games, they weren't necessarily forcing the issue to try to get to the line. We've set the scene for Saturday's showdown in Charlottesville. We've told you about the Cavaliers. Looked at the game from the Carolina perspective. But coming up next, we got two discussion topics around audio from Nada Edwards, who joined me earlier in the week, and former head uh, basketball coach at Carolina, Matt Doherty, about this game. Then we'll get into our keys to the game, pick the game, and so much more. But first, Anthony has to tell you about autographs. That's right, the Autograph app. And uh, look, guys, you want to get rewarded for listening to our show? Well, the team at Autograph, co-founded by Tom Brady, is redefining the fan experience, and they're doing it by letting users earn points for the act of fandom uh, that they use every day, like listening to this show, reading our articles on the website. The Autograph fandom app gives you access to your favorite UNC content all in one place, and offers rewards like tickets, exclusive merchandise, and more. Uh, Last weekend, they sent multiple fans to the game against Virginia Tech at a discounted price. They're wanting to do the same thing for the NC State game and possibly even the Duke game. So you don't want to miss out on this. You're listening to our show. You're reading our articles. But now you can earn points and get rewarded for it. Head over to the Apple App Store and search for Autograph Fandom Rewarded and download it for free today using the referral code HEELTOUGH. That's HEELTOUGH, all one word. 
Link and code will also be in the podcast description if you are a listener. If you are uh, someone that is watching on the stream, you do have to go back and listen to the edition to get credit for it. But uh, the best way for you guys, of course, is to read all those articles that we have uh, covering both Tar Heel football and basketball. So uh, make sure you check it out. Again, autograph fandom rewarded in the Apple App Stores. All right, let's get back into the Virginia preview, and uh, we'll start with uh, uh, two discussion topics. Um, that's how big this game is where mm. uh, we've got two topics of discussion, and we're going to use two pieces of sound to set up those topics. The first piece of sound um, is going to come from Nada Edwards, who um, you know joined me earlier in the week on the show. If you missed that interview, Go back and check it out. He's the producer of the Eye on College Basketball podcast, the best national college basketball podcast out there. And look, we've been talking about this game feels gettable, and it feels maybe the most winnable um, for Carolina in some time in that in, in Charlottesville. And I asked Nada if he agreed with that, and here was his answer. Absolutely, and it's, it, it all honestly comes on the back on the sh- back and shoulders of Armando Baycott. We know that Virginia struggles with size. We know that Virginia struggles with physicality. That's the kind of game where Armando needs to get you 20, 10, and 5 and basically turn this into a laugher because we've seen while Virginia can beat anybody, they can absolutely lose to anybody. And if you're just your usual self and you can pro- – and honestly, the big thing – North Carolina is one of those teams that can get into the muck, deal with the pack line defense, and play defense like a, basically a quintessential Tony Bennett team. So at some point, like this might actually be the get-right game, the game that can get North Carolina going to say, hey, this is how we win, this is what we do, and, and the ACC is ours, and the ACC will officially run through North Carolina and Armando Baycott with a statement one on Saturday. Look, you can't say what Armando Baycott said after the Duke win, which says the ACC runs through me and then be a no-show and the big games are going to determine the regular season. And this is one of them. Even with Virginia a game and a half out, um, this is going to play a big factor in who wins the regular season. Like I said, Carolina goes on the road and, and, and wins. It feels like they've got a little bit more room, more margin for error down the stretch where the pressure will be on Duke to pretty much match them um, with the road trip to Wake Forest at Saturday. Still got to play the same Virginia team before those two rivals square off in the final game in the regular season. I also thought that uh, his point that Carolina, for the first time, I feel like can win this game 56-54, like they did the last time they won. Like, I, I'm with you. You said if they get to 70, they win. I, I mean, I'm not going to disagree with that um, because I don't know if Virginia – I mean, Virginia hasn't scored more than 50 in their last two games. So 70 for them, I mean, would be a, a godsend. But I also feel like if Carolina gets you know, just caught up in the typical way that Virginia makes you play, they can, act, they can finally win that way. And that hasn't been the case. Um, you know, we're both Roy Williams guys. I loved him to death. But he never adjusted to the way Tony Bennett played him and the way Tony Bennett played. It's why Carolina, for the most part, lost to Virginia whenever they played them. Um, you know, they beat them pretty handedly in, in, in 2017. But, you know, outside of that, it wasn't a lot of, of fun results against Carolina or against Virginia. Last year, Huber Davis beat Virginia. Um, the second last week of the regular season, they blew them out, but they kind of did it playing Virginia's game. And I do feel like Carolina is built um, with the way that they can defend and rebound to go on the road and and play a game and win the game in the mid fifties if they have to. Yeah, I mean that's that's one of the things that probably makes you feel more comfortable about this game than in recent years. But at the same time, you know, I kind of agree with with what. Um, you know, not a said there, which is basically just this, this, if this is a big game from Armando Baycott, that's, that's kind of what you want. And for, for me, I, I think you want to put together a good offensive performance in this one, because I, I'm not going to say I don't trust this team defensively, but asking them to put together the type of performance that 
would have them right in the thick of a game against Virginia. Um, if, if you're playing in, you know, the high 40s or low 50s, I mean, look, the way that they've played here recently, it's hard to be overly confident that they would be able to do that. I think that they're still a really solid team defensively, but I told you, I think that they are probably somewhere in between the team that we saw to start conference play on the defensive end and the team that we saw recently and at times early in the season uh, on that end of the floor. So I, I think you're, yes, this is a team that can put together a good defensive performance and win. A good defensive performance for this team in this game is more than likely, unless Virginia just continues to shoot the ball horribly or turn the ball over at, at an unbelievably high rate, a good defensive performance would be holding this team to 60. And then if you're Carolina, to me, if you can put together, and I think getting 270 would be an outstanding performance offensively against this Virginia defense, then I think you're going to have a real chance to win this game. I, I, I mean, I got to tell you, um, I loved everything that Nada said there. The one thing that shocked me, is I don't know even if Armando puts up 20, 10, and 5. Now, I'm assuming 5 means 5 blocks, although with Armando the way he's been sharing the ball, 5 assists wouldn't be uh, out of the question either. But to blow them out – I would be kind of shocked if that happens because I think there's a lot of motivation in this game for Virginia. I'd love to be wrong. I'd love for Carolina to beat this team by 30 because I hate this team. But um, I, I, I just – I it, it's it's going to take a lot for me to see that happen. Now, I mean, I, I think what he's pointing back to was what happened on Monday. You saw what Lynn Kidd did and how it opened up the game. Armando's better than Lynn Kidd. If he right. gives you 20 points, 10 rebounds, five assists, you feel like, you know, Carolina, you got to think like Virginia Tech beat Virginia by 33 on Monday, 48 hours after Carolina beat Virginia Tech by 15. So that's basically what he's alluding to is that if a better big does what Lynn Kidd did to this team on Monday, it, it could spell blowout city again for Virginia. Another thing, and, and, I, and I really harped on this, you know, the importance of getting the win against Virginia Tech um, because, you know, you had a week off before this game. And I thought it was a great time to have a week off. Gave uh, the team a chance to, you know, reset, recharge their batteries before the stretch run. And then I heard Matt Doherty, former Carolina basketball player who won a national championship and former Carolina basketball head coach who joins Kyle Bailey on WFNZ in Charlotte every Wednesday. Um, he joined the show and he talked about and he explained why he doesn't like the week off for Carolina. I don't like the week off. Coach Smith didn't like the week off because you lose your rhythm. Okay, you lose your rhythm. You probably give the guys two days off. And it's just sluggish. I don't like it at all. Matter of fact, when I was um, uh, my first year, I think we had the the week off. We got to play Clemson at Clemson. We lost. We lost five out of the last ten games after going, winning eighteen in a row. I don't like the week off. I really don't. It's concerning to me. Yeah, and look when you when you hear a former coach, a former player, express that disdain for it, you would think that it would sway one's opinion. But I'm stubborn, and I still look at it and 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 look at for this team. I think I think they needed a week to just yes, you know, still be in the gym, continue to practice. But this is a long season, man, and, and Carolina has been playing really, really hard for a while. And you could tell in the last five games, this was a tired team. And, and look, I, I know Roy Williams would always joke about their 18, 19, 20-year-olds. They should be able to play nonstop. That's just you know, it's just not reality. Like, you know, I'm 27 years old. I work part-time and I'm exhausted. So imagine well, that's because you're out of shape. So, you know, you just imagine what, you know, high-profile athletes are doing. But I, I hear what Matt Doherty says. I respect what he says. But I look at this team and look and, and say, man, they needed a week and – that that opinion hasn't changed for me. Where do you stand on was this week off good or bad timing for Carolina? Well, I'll put it this way. Let's say you flip how the conference season is gone and Carolina was 
three and three in their first six games of conference play and then went on the winning streak that they did when they jumped into full conference play. Then I would say probably not. I would say, okay, I really don't want to be off because we are in such a rhythm that I feel like this probably ends up hurting us. I know they I, I know they won by 15 the other day. I mean, how much of a rhythm is this team really in? Like, are they are, are they flowing like they were early in the season where we're like, oh my God, we can't we can't afford to have time off because this team is just gelling so well right now. I'm not saying that it's a team that's not in a good spot. I still think they are. But I think the thing is, is that you're right. You could see, especially with how many minutes these guys are having to play here recently, the starters, that is, these guys were getting tired. This bench right now is not playing the minutes that they need them to play. Um, I, I mean, they, they sort of got back to it on Saturday against Virginia Tech, but it's still not quite where I think Carolina really wants it in the future if they really have a strong bench that they can trust. And so now you're starting to see guys play 33, 35 minutes for select players. And, yeah, I mean, it's it, as the season wears on, it becomes obvious. You start to see some uh, some guys clearly wearing down. So I, I – I get what he's saying, and I think that for this team, not only do you get the chance to rest up, you get the chance to work on some of the things that were going wrong during that two and three stretch, primarily on the defensive end of the floor. And I think it might actually help this team that they got a chance to polish some things up before this stretch run, because that the other part of it is, that you have to look at is this is not the easiest finish to the regular season. You've got a Virginia team that is still trying to compete for the ACC regular season title, an NC State team that I, I, I believe is still fighting for their coach, although at this point, who knows? It's hard to tell. Um, Notre Dame is, is, is Notre Dame. They're not playing well this season, but then you got Duke. So you've got some extremely difficult – games down the stretch and Miami I forgot Miami was in there as well so you've got you, you've got some difficult games down the stretch here that you got to be prepared for and, and I think this week off could could actually help them be prepared for this type of run down the stretch we certainly hope so because I feel like I mean it's it's not it's not rocket science whichever team between Duke and Carolina finishes the best will win an ACC regular season championship well now it's it's time to move into our keys to the game and um you know the first one is is kind of like a two-part like i labeled fast start and a fast start could just mean that it's it's eight to four at the under 12 timeout if we're being brutally honest but um what you want to do is just get into the rhythm and the flow of the game right away and really dictate what you want to do um, and not let Virginia just immediately take the air out of the out of the ball and, and make it. I mean, not even a half court game, but like a you know a quarters court game. Also, though, you got to be prepared to weather the storm because you might get punched in the mouth, and they might hit you with a eight two, ten two run uh, to start the game. It's in their gym. Crowd's going to be behind them. They know how important it is to get off to a fast start, and so. Look, we've seen Carolina, um, you know, play not so great on the road in the first four minutes, six minutes. You go back to that uh, the game at Pittsburgh, it wasn't pretty. The game at Clemson, that never wasn't pretty. But you also went on the road at Miami and jumped up 20 to 8. You went to Florida State and built a double-digit lead. So it's been uneven on the road. It's asking too much, I think, to ask this team to build a double-digit first-half lead, but – Carolina's got to come out ready to go from the opening tip because, as you know, with Virginia, once you get behind, you're playing catch-up, and you feel like you're playing catch-up times two or three considering the amount of possessions they're going to take away. Well, I mean, if you get down eight, you're down 15. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just that's, that's typically how it's been with them in the past. And I, I know – Again, they're not playing their best basketball, but it's really on the offensive end of the floor. This team will, if, if you get down early against them, 
it's going to be really hard to claw your way back into this game. Or it's going to feel much like some of the games that Carolina's had recently where they fought their way back into the game, but they just can't seem to get over the hump and officially take the lead and get it for good. So, I mean, yeah, fast start in this game is is part of it. I think even even more so, it's if that slow start does happen, I mean, you got to limit it. It can't get. I, I mean, if you're down 15 to two like you were to Clemson, I, I mean, it's probably over. Like I got to be honest with you, it's going to be hard to claw back from that. But uh, the thing is, is look, even if you don't get off to a good start offensively, maybe it's a little bit ugly. Maybe it's like you know, you go to the under uh, 16 timeout and it's four two, but you've you, you know you're like one of eight from the field or something like that. It's it's about specifically for Armando Baycott and R.J. Davis, do not panic. Do not say, well, this is the same thing that we've seen at our t- in our time here whenever we have to go on the road to this place. This is a team that is still going to give you opportunities to find a way to beat them because they're just not that good on the offensive end of the floor. So, yeah, I want to see him get off to a fast start. I'd love to see him come out and punch Virginia in the mouth. Um, you know, because that that they should be the more well-rested team coming in. So that should allow them to have a little bit more energy than Virginia coming in. But we know Virginia is going to want to come out and prove some things uh, after that loss against Virginia Tech. So uh, Carolina's got to be ready for a fight out of the gate. But the biggest thing for me is build, you know, build that fast start. But most importantly, if it doesn't go your way, do not panic because if you do – that could be what gets you in trouble. The second key is always the key when Carolina and Virginia link up, and that's limit turnovers because possessions are so valuable because there's so few in a game against Virginia. I mean, even even when Carolina's beaten them, they haven't been able to speed the game up and play the amount of possessions that they typically want to play. Um, one thing that has become apparent really – really since the Duke game, is there are times and situations where Hubert Davis can't play Elliott Cadeau. Um, And that makes a lot of sense. He's a reclassified freshman playing um, in a premier conference at a premier institution. You know, there was, there's always going to be a, a, a learning curve and a, and, a, and, a, and a time to adjust. This feels like a game where you, you see a lot of Seth Tremble. He's older. He's been around, even if it's been around just one, one more year. Um, he's been in this environment. He knows what it's like. And you mentioned Cadeau's turnovers. He had, you know, he had five the other night against Virginia Tech. He had, I think it was five in the, the win at Miami. Like, he has been turnover happy as of late. You can't afford that. Five turnovers leads to points. And that's why you know those those the 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 lead kind of just feels much bigger because of the amount they limit possessions. And so you know, we know Hubert Davis loves to play a three guard lineup. I think you'll see that uh, often and throughout this game. But it has to be a game where Carolina like no more than ten. Like I usually say, I'll live with twelve. Not in this game. Eight to ten's got to be the 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 money spot. If we see the turnovers flare up like they have on the road at certain times, it could spell disaster for the Eagles. Well, I mean, the thing is, is if, look, if you're going to turn it over that much, well, then you better force turnovers as well. Um, And that's just not necessarily what Virginia has done a lot of because they're so fundamentally sound. So, I I mean, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, they are 361st in the country in turnovers so far this year. I mean – that that's that that's the thing. They do such a great job on that end of the floor. Even though they're not the greatest shooting team, they do such a great job with holding on to the basketball. So yeah, it makes it to where you have to be nearly perfect. The thing that I will say in defense of Elliot Cadell is that yeah, he's had some games where he's turned it over, but usually the games where he turns it over at a high level, he, he does a good job of sort of bouncing back pretty quickly and making up for those mistakes. It's very rare that you see him string together games where, you know, back-to-back games where he just turns the ball over at a high high rate. Early in the season, uh, UC Riverside, four turnovers. Next game against Northern Iowa, didn't turn it over a single time. 
You go to the game uh, against Miami, five turnovers in that game. Bounces back against Syracuse, only one turnover, nine assists in that game, by yep. the way. Um, and then you you talk about this, you know, what does he do this game following uh, the turnover-laden performance against Virginia Tech? I think he's going to know. It's probably been hammered into him in practice all week. Um, that's probably been one of the things that they've focused on is, one, don't turn the ball over, and two, stay out of foul trouble. Uh, if he can do that, then I think Carolina has a chance – to be successful with keeping him on the floor. So I think, you know, the biggest thing when it comes to him is sort of feel out what's going on in the game. If, if you realize early on, okay, he's turning the ball over. He has two early turnovers, something like that. Okay, we need to, we need to play set Trimble a lot in this game. And, you know, part of it will be that, hey, the advantage of playing set Trimble, it's going to make Virginia's life live a, a living hell at times on the other end of the floor because of how good, good of a defender that he is. So, um, you know, the, the biggest thing also is is that you got to see your, your veteran guys t- continue to take care of the ball. We saw it at times, uh, you know, during that that little, you know, dip for Carolina where R.J. Davis had some turnovers that left you scratching your head. You can't have those in this game. There, there are other games where – we can, you know, watch those. We'll get frustrated in the moment, but you know, once we uh, sort of separate ourselves a little bit from the game, we'll look back and be like, "Look, it's understandable you're trying to make plays." In this game, you've got to be very smart with how how aggressive you are, um, and not, you know, getting yourself into bad positions to turn the ball over. Because yeah, it, it really is that hurtful to you if you end up turning the ball over. And the other thing is is you cannot have these empty possessions at the free throw line. Like we've seen it happen at times this year for Carolina where guys go to the free throw line and they go 0 for 2. That's basically a turnover. None of those can happen either. You've got to have a good day shooting at the free throw line and at least at the least you have to be able to knock down one of your two free throws because possessions in this matchup more than any matchup that you have all season are incredibly valuable. Next couple keys for you. Um, you know, rebounding is something that we talk about a lot. And in this game, it definitely applies. Carolina, a top 10 rebounding team nationally, at over 41 rebounds per game. Virginia, just 32.3 rebounds. So Carolina has a, a massive, uh, you know, margin in that area just off of averages. And that has to show up on, you know, on the basketball court. This has to be a game where your two best rebounders, Armando Baycott and Harrison Ingram, make their presence felt. Um, and, and, you know, I feel like, you know, Armando, for the most part all year long, has been consistent at rebounding. Now, this has to be a game where even if Harrison Ingram is, is playing on the perimeter and when his rebounding totals dipped after the, the, the Duke win – that was a big reason why he was only getting four, five, six rebounds. So that's to be a game where he's that he's energizer bunny. And no matter where he is on the court, he's going it and getting the ball. Because if you can get offensive rebounds and second chance points, you know, your, 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 your second chance offense might be better than your primary offense. Um, because the defense is going to be scattered. It might be your best chance to – uh, to score, you don't really worry about them um, getting to the offensive glass just because you know it's just not that's not in their DNA. Um, it's not something that they focus because they want to get back, set their defense, and play you in the half court. And so, uh, this has to be a game where you want to dictate tempo and pace as much as you can. The best way to do that is to rebound the ball, and and Carolina needs their two best guys, Baycott and Ingram, to be at their best on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, and look, this is this is a game that honestly, if you look at it statistically, lines up very well with last Saturday. Carolina against a team that they should have absolutely dominated on the glass, they dominated them. Um, this team, I mean, more more times than not, the lineup that you're going to see on the floor, the tallest guy that will be out there is Ryan Dunn, who is six eight. So there should be absolutely no issue rebounding the ball. In this game, I think one of the big things that can help Carolina in this area is the fact that you saw Harrison Ingram sort of return to the guy that we saw during that run for Carolina into that Duke game 
on on the glass. I mean, he was everywhere the other day. Seventeen rebounds. Um, what what was it? Twelve of them in the first half. Like that's the type of performance you want to see from him on the glass. And I get it. Recent, you know, the teams that Carolina had played recently did a really good job of getting him away from the basket. But in a game like this, where you're going against smaller guys, this is still going to be a team that wants to play away from the basket. You'd like to see him get involved and rebound the way that he did the other day. Maybe he doesn't get to 17, but just getting to double digits and being that guy that's there to help Armando Baycott, I think is huge because this is a game that Armando Baycott should just dominate inside on the glass. And yeah, the offensive rebounds I think could be huge. I talked about, you know, the possessions and how valuable they are. Getting extra possessions in this game is huge. If you can find ways to do that, that's how you beat Virginia. That's how Carolina beat Virginia last year was they found those extra possessions in that game and it allowed them to um you know get some easy buckets inside and really changed the landscape of a game that could have been a lot closer if Carolina wasn't as dominant on the glass. So I think that's going to be one of the focal points going into this game. And to me, you know, just from looking at Virginia, watching them play this year, I, I, I think it's more than attainable in this game. Yeah, one last thing, not spend a lot of time on it. Um, I think Carolina's three-point defense needs to be something you watch from a defensive standpoint. Uh, As a team, Virginia shoots 37% from behind the three-point line. They've got capable shooters. That's what elevates their offense is when they shoot the three ball well, it's what allows them to score efficiently because they don't play many possessions, but, you know, I think the last time I checked, three is greater than two. And when you're when you're making more threes than twos, it makes your offense more efficient. Um, we saw Carolina's defense against Virginia Tech. I think they held them to six of 27 shooting from the, the three-point line. It's been up and down here as of late. A lot of that's because you ran into hot shooters. But um, Carolina's defense um, and, their, and the perimeter defense needs to be on point because that's the really only way – I think Virginia can exploit them from an offensive standpoint. Well, one thing real quick about them is, yes, they are 32nd in the country in three-point shooting percentage. They only shoot the ball. I mean, they they don't shoot it a lot from beyond the arc. They are 336th in the country in in three-point attempts per game at 17.3. So I think – you're looking for a guy that you got to take away. If you can take away Isaac McNeely, who shoots it over five times a game from three, that's their best three-point shooter, hits it a 40%, uh, 46% clip. If you're forcing other guys to have to knock down shots, they don't have a lot of other shot makers from the outside, at least not from a high percentage. So I think that's got to be where Carolina's focus is and uh, when it comes to that specific area on the defensive end. Carolina enters with a 65.2% chance to win the game. That, according to ESPN Analytics, who wins the game and won. Well, I mean, look, man, Donna Edwards uh, responded to this question, uh, I think, in the perfect way. Um, Is this the best chance for Carolina to win up there uh, in 12 years? Oh, absolutely. This is the best matchup that Carolina has had against this team. They are so much bigger than this team inside. Armando Baycott should dominate this group. I mean, if Lynn Kidd could do it. I mean, who the hell is Lynn Kidd? Seriously. Jason I suppose Kidd's kid. Is it? I don't know. I could be. I have no idea. So, I mean, but but my point is, and, and that may have been a bit aggressive towards Lynn Kidd, might be a great fella, but Armando Baycott is, in my opinion, is still the best big in this conference. And this is a game where his physicality inside, combined with the lack of size that Virginia has, it should just allow him to dominate. I think he puts together a big performance in this one. I think you'll see what a week off does for a guy like R.J. Davis. I expect this to be a good performance from him as well, an efficient performance from him. And I think you see a bounce-back performance from Elliot Cadell. I think he's going to be motivated to show that that game against Virginia Tech where he turned the ball over at a high level um, you know, was, was just one of those games as a freshman that you have. He's done it all year, as I pointed out. He's always a guy that seems to recover well from those down performances. I think this will be a good performance from him, and I think Carolina finds a way to beat Virginia. I like them to win somewhere 
uh, between eight and ten points in the season. Look, I can't be the guy that came on here after Syracuse and, and was preaching patience and uh, was still rather positive and picked Carolina to lose a game in a big spot. That was also the way you justified picking them in the last game. So is this going to be the way you justify picking them in every game the rest of the season? No, I mean, you know. Okay, I, I, I just wanted I, to check, I, you yeah. know. I trust this team. Um, this is why I like being old is for these types of moments because I think they're going to be aware of what's at stake. And under, and I think they'll be aware of, you know, the consequences, if, uh, if you will, if they lose this game. Um, and with that, I think Carolina puts together maybe their second most complete performance of the conference season behind what they did against Duke when they beat Duke at Chapel Hill uh, earlier this month. I think Carolina wins, um, and I think it'll be a game that um, will feel really, really positive about it. Maybe people that jumped off the bandwagon after the Syracuse win, maybe they want to get back on the wagon and say this team can finish first in the ACC, make a deep run in the NCAA tournament. And so um, I've got to these people. I've got a sneaky good feeling Carolina plays and plays at a high level. And I think they pick up a big win on the road this Saturday in Charlottesville. Well, no matter what ha- well, no matter what happens, we'll have you cover HeelToughBlog.com where they're getting you ready for the game with the Virginia preview. That'll be live on the site on Friday. And, of course, shortly after the game goes final, um, I'll have a recap of the game posted as I continue to take you through the basketball season. A lot of recruiting news on the website for Mac Brown and Carolina football. Anthony has you covered with the latest. And uh, just around the corner is NFL draft stuff, the combine uh, next week, pro days. Make sure you're staying locked in um, as a bunch of Carolina guys uh, prepare for their NFL career. So make sure you stay locked in. HeelToughBlog.com, latest Carolina basketball, Tar Heel football coverage. As for the podcast, guys, you know where to find us. Every major podcasting platform, simply search the Four Corners podcast and we will pop up. Or there we do encourage you to rate, review, and subscribe. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the remainder of the season. With that, guys, this is going to wrap up another live edition of the show. want to thank everybody that tuned in. Thank you, uh, Donald, for thank you, Panther Bo, for commenting. want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. It just doesn't get any sweeter than that.